You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM Community Radio. I'm Tegan Engel, and this is The Table Underground. We're digging into stories of food, radical love, and creative social justice. This episode is a crossover between our usual food-focused shows and new equity and education stories supported through a fellowship with the Graustein Memorial Fund. Today's guest is Greg Smith, an aspiring chef I met recently at a community event. He started telling me excitedly about his love of foraging wild plants in the city and his desire to work with food to do something meaningful in our community. When I found out he was also a graduate of CONCAT, the Connecticut Center for Arts and Technology Culinary Program in New Haven, a program that's dear to my heart, I was extra excited to hear more about his story. Greg generously welcomed me into his home for our interview. Greg, thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited. This is my first time being on a radio show. Mm -hmm. And um, just to express uh, myself and where I came from is just an amazing opportunity. Mm. Thank you for trusting me. (laughs) I'm excited. So we're in your kitchen. Right. And when I first met you, you told me you were really into gardening and you have a kitchen garden. Right. Can you describe it a little for people who can't see it? So right now we're looking at over here to the right. We have my potatoes, red potatoes and on the far left end. And I have some herbs right here, which I believe uh, oregano to the left side. And then the right side would be parsley. And then under the table, we have the kitchen table is... um, a bucket full of tomatoes, which they're actually coming along real well. My red red tomatoes, and then I have uh, chamomile, basil, rosemary, and a bunch of other things going. Yeah, so, there's a so bunch. So for people who don't know, you're under your table and your desk is sort of glowing right. neon pink because right. you've got grow lights going. Right. So we're talking about a garden inside your apartment. Exactly. Your and then I made like a little greenhouse with, you know, plastic around to keep the light <laughs> inside and maybe even reflect some of the natural light that comes through the window. Yeah. And, and also keep some moisture in. So you've got bowls and buckets and cardboard boxes filled right. up with soil and plants. Yes. And wrapped up in plastic to keep the moisture in yes and you got stuff growing and i'm you know i'm excited well last year i had a garden outside but this is my first in-house garden and um i'm excited to see how it's going to come along did you start this during the winter yes i did this month actually um you know i had the idea of you know why wait till spring to come to go outside when you know i believe i have a green thumb i could just plant anywhere and last year i grew a basil a Genova basil um, plant in the house. I'm like, you know, let me try it again. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's great. So what got you into gardening? Um, my grandfather, really, uh, he gardens. And when he first put his garden together, he asked me to help. And then my pastor actually was the first person who called me over to garden. And he kind of like explained it more, you know, in a biblical way and to help me understand reaping and sowing he was like you gotta get on your knees and really tiller that ground and turn it up and from that point on I was just like I love this thing mm. um and I started to look around me at nature and was like well you know if I can grow stuff what around me can I eat so that kind of just stuck with me and you know family down south uh my uncle buddy who passed away a while ago he used to 
have a food truck where he sold watermelons. He sold all types of fresh fruits and vegetables off of it. So, Did this start recently or, or many years ago that you started getting into gardening? Um, I'll say about four years now. Yeah, about four years ago I started. Um, and then I got this adrenaline rush to just go plant. So I was just, you know, playing at people. My, I went to a, a cousin of mine's house and she was like, I want a garden. I'm like, All right, I'll do it. And I installed a garden. Uh, there I grew squash. I mean, some of the biggest squash I've ever seen. I grew some beans and some, I tried to do some herbs, which really didn't come in. So, you know, from there, uh, I started here at my house and anyone else who wanted a garden, I would just go and install it. So it sounds like it's really kind of feeding a part of your spirit and your heart, not just kind of yeah. grow food. Um, because I'm, I'm like real, I'm deeply spiritual. So, you know, I believe that I'm connected to all of God's creations, you know, humanity and nature itself. So I feel like a, a lot of people take soil for granted and dirt for granted mm-hmm. and they don't know how important it is. Without good soil, nothing will grow, not That's even true. trees, you know. So I try to stay as connected as I can to nature. Um, it's funny. I wrote on this that growing up, I wanted to have a zoo mm-hmm. and having a zoo that was filled with reptiles and insects and only because most people dislike those things. And I was like always an opposite. Well, let me try to. So um, nature has just always been, you know, something I had a passion for. Yeah. I really feel you on that front. A lot of people, especially living in the city feel so disconnected from right. nature. And I also think that um, in a lot of communities of color who are in America, that people are sort of taught like, Oh, that's a white thing. Right, right, you right. Know? And that, like it's really powerful to hear you saying how much you feel connected to it because it it is like we're all part of a cycle of life and right. without good dirt right <laughs> you're right like nothing can grow so you just shared with me you have this piece of paper that when you found out we were going to do this interview that you wrote some stuff down right so would you um, like to share a little s- sure the first part is who i am and um i'm an up-and-coming chef jack of all creative art trades i write poetry music playwrights I act, I do comedy. Um, I consider myself an activist and um, I believe food is an art itself. So being a form of expression, depending on how I feel at that time, can determine the outcome of my dish. Um, I have, a, once, as I said, a deep spiritual belief, um, which makes me connected to all the his, of God's creations, humanity, and as well as nature. So is your love of nature connected to your love of cooking? Yes, because I feel like if we go, if we think about thousands of years ago, how do they eat? They didn't just, you know, grow vegetables. There was probably food around them. So I have this desire to forage. Like that's my new thing. I just started doing that about, um, I'll say about six to seven months ago. Um, I was working for Bun Lei, mm-hmm. Mia Sushi. Yeah. Awesome guy. Uh, yeah, we did a show with him on really oh man yeah (laughs) bun is great man i was just talking to him uh last week i went over to the restaurant to talk to him you know his mother uh, miss yoshi is the sweetest um just to go in his restaurant you get this natural feel Mm -hmm. and i never knew you can eat dandelions never i as a kid i grew up seeing dandelions all over the place and i know they're not edible yeah, when you're in town, like more like if you're at a park or something like that. But just to find out that they're edible is just amazing. Then, yeah, you um, just gotta make sure wherever you're picking yeah. them that they're not contaminated with like 
chemical right exactly people put chemicals on their lawns and stuff but but if right in places you know that hasn't been sprayed then yeah so you know okay he taught me that and um i looked at him as a mentor he i, I met him at at concat oh, it was an event and <laughs> first day i m- meet him he's telling everyone bun is so funny <laughs> He's telling everyone like, yeah, that's gonna go straight to your thighs, or yeah, that's not good for you, or yeah, that's how you get a heart attack. And then like this guy is like, <laughs> it was an older gentleman. He's he's like, oh, this guy is gonna scare all your 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 guests away. And I have found a love for forging before I met him. Mm-hmm. And when I mentioned you know what I want to do, he was just like, well, yeah, that's what I do. And you know we connected. He hired me. And um, from there, I was just like learning from him as far as like a lot of his stuff is, you know, it comes from farms. It doesn't really come from like commercial stores or anything like that. Now I'm, you know, I'm reading books. I have a book. It's called the Northeast Coast for um, foraging. And then he was telling me, go to libraries, go to the library, look up different websites and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm not in no way a professional or anything like that you know i know a few things to eat but i'm still learning myself so i wouldn't dare try to teach anyone yet yeah so for people who don't know do you want to tell them what foraging is uh foraging is um the act of finding wild grown food um or vegetation you can forage pretty much anywhere in this country or the world period so can you tell us a little about the path that brought you to CONCAT to do the culinary program at CONCAT? Well, my mom, she really encouraged me to, well, she encourages me to do a lot, a lot of stuff. But cooking was one of the things where she saw the opportunity. She said, hey, there's a school, you know, Eric Clemens, he's a great guy. Uh, I'll tell him about you. Just go there, fill out an application, try to go. I was a little hesitant at first um, because... You know, I love cooking. I just wasn't sure if, you know, I've been to so many programs throughout Connecticut or well, New Haven. And I was just like, oh, this is this is another program that's going to probably fail me. And, mm. um, you know, going there, it was just amazing. So my mom was like, you love cooking. Your food is good. And then a lot of my friends, uh, they were also saying that I should go into cooking. Mm. And when I went to CONCAT, you know, it gives you a realistic experience in the kitchen. So Chef Blast was tough. Mm-hmm. You know, he was real tough on us. Um, drill sergeant, you know, but I played football. So I was used to him yelling. My my coach used to yell at us all the time. So yelling wasn't really anything. I had tough skin, but um, it was just tough for me to um, adjust to uh, different personalities. Also, um learning that there were really fundamentals of cooking you know i didn't really growing up is just you know you're eating to have something in your stomach it wasn't necessarily um for taste for me um i didn't really develop a taste for food until like in high school where um now i'm coming home my mom's not home and it's like what do i want to eat i want to eat something i want to eat you know rather than you got to eat this um so yeah concat was just like uh, an amazing opportunity for me. Um, yeah, and for for people who don't know, it's a free program. Yeah, exactly. So it's a I was going to say program, but it's like a very high quality right program. Right, and um, you you learn 
some you know the same stuff you would learn as, as Johnson and Wells or CIA not not to diminish those schools at all um yeah. I would I would still try to further my education if I can um but it's just it gives you that opportunity to get your foot in the door so that yeah. that's what CONCAT was for me yeah that's great and you said a lot of other programs had failed you like what kinds of programs um I mean like you know these places promise they promise career jobs and um, me, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't consider myself an average person. Um, I have all of these dreams that I want to follow and, um, around New Haven, you see a lot of people lose that hope to keep dreaming and settle for just a job and minimum wage or just this. I mean, it's not really about the money for me, but it's about more of the experience, but I want to experience these things. So, um, you know, I've been to like CT works. Um, New Haven Works, which is not a bad program at all. Um, They're very good at what they do. Um, I was working with Rayon, who was a real good guy. Um, But it was just like, it's a waiting game, you know? And coming from New Haven, you know, we're always waiting. We're always waiting for opportunities or doors to open. So when I finally got that chance and I saw that it was like, this is real. I got to contact. I'm like, wait, okay, this is real. I only have to buy my shoes. Wait, this is real. They're really like, um, and it's, it's not about free because you want to invest in yourself. Like now I have to invest in myself after graduating. It's all about investing in myself, you know? So, um, uh, I'll, I'll say that don't, I would, my advice to other programs, don't sell us success, you know, tell us we have to work for it, but don't say, well, you know, Come, you get these jobs. We'll get your career. You want that? You want those fifteen dollar hour jobs? No, tell us you got to work for it. Mm-hmm. You know. And one thing Chef Blast would tell us, like, your um, uh, you have to know your worth, right? But coming in, you can't be worth twenty dollars an hour. You have to get up to that. You know. Right. So, um, Concat told us not to devalue ourselves and just settle for less. You know, especially That's Mr. Awesome. Clemens. I love yeah. that guy, man. He's amazing. Yeah. That's a very important lesson. Right. <laughs> and to have, and to feel like, did you feel more like if one person just told you that on the street, it would have one kind of impact, but hearing that in this beautiful space where people are like really investing in you right. and, and it's not, they're not just saying it to you, but to this whole group, did that right. have like a different impact on you? Um, it did. Um, I mean, you know, no, nobody's perfect. So we had good and bad days there. Uh, a lot of us fought through to stay, but just, you know, the environment itself was um, up like it was just cheerful. Yeah. Um, you said when you when you walked in there that you felt like it was real. Right. In a different way. So what are some of the things that told you that it was real? Like, how'd you get that message? I got that message when I woke up in the morning at seven o'clock and I had to be in that seat by seven thirty, and then we're in the kitchen from eight all the way to three. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I have to do this. This is real. This program is, it's not one of those programs where, you know, they, everything is set up for you. You're it's set up. So, you know, it's, it's kind of set up to the point where you really shouldn't fail. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way of failing if everything is given to you. Like literally the only thing I had to buy was my shoes Everything else was given to me. And um, the point I realized that it was real was when we were going on external. It's like, wow, we're here. 
you know, they're throwing, they're sending us into the field and, um, now it's time to float, you know? So hopefully you, my chef, oh man, you know, me, we bumped heads a few times. We joked, like he joked around a lot with us and I never forget the last thing he said to our class was, you know, uh, for those people who just kind of eased your way through, you know, now it's going to, now it's going to tell, you know, it's going to show, uh, he ended up saying, uh, for those that worked hard, it's going to pay off. And then those that didn't, the world always needs dishwashers. And we're all looking at him like, <laughs> who are you talking about? <laughs> this your, yeah. Who are you talking about? And this is your last speech to your class. Oh my gosh. So, um, I kind of felt, you know, that was me at that point because, you know, I had a lot of things going on with my family and stuff, but, um, it actually motivated me not to be a dishwasher. Not that I wouldn't dishwash again because nothing's beneath me when you have to take care of a family. Sure, but, of course. you know. But so. you have higher hopes. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. higher hopes of starting my own business and not. Uh, I, I really don't want to work for anyone uh, because I feel like, you know, my my dreams and my vision are mine. So if I go somewhere and I work for someone, I'm going to have to, like, kind of put them quiet mm-hmm. because this is their business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I feel you on that. Like I worked as a chef for about 12 years and right. I did a lot of different kinds of jobs. And sometimes I worked in restaurants where I really had to just like do somebody else's recipe over and over right, and over. Right, right. But I picked places where I really wanted to learn something they were doing there. Right. You know, like a certain cuisine of food or a style of cooking. Right. Um, so I tried to pick places where I felt like I was really going to learn something. And even if I just stayed there for a year, I still learned a lot. And then I would move on to somewhere else. Right. And and also picking different types of cooking jobs, like catering jobs. Or if you work at catering companies, you learn so much. I mean, you said you want to further your education. So I learned on the job. Like, I didn't go to culinary school. And so working at catering companies, I learned lots of things about like, how do you run a catering company? Like how it's different to cook for catering than to cook in a restaurant, right? You're like cooking to then serve it later. So it's a whole different thing. So there's a lot of value to going to places like that. But then in catering, you sometimes have a little more creative freedom because it's not the same as a restaurant where somebody is coming for the exact same thing, the same exact way every right, right, right. You know, like a restaurant has to be much more consistent all the time. Um, and sometimes you can find like flexible things where you do jobs on the side that are right. really your own gig, but you still are pulling in money from somewhere else. So yeah, and that and that's what Bun was to talking to me about yeah. the other night. He was saying it's not about the money. Like he tried to get me to really understand. It's not about the money. It's about the experience. It's all about learning. Um, you know, um, not that there's anything wrong with commercial restaurants like Fridays or um, mm-hmm. Ruby Tuesdays or anything, but. He questioned, how much can I really learn there? You know, and I feel like I agree because going into a place like that, you're doing the basics as far as tempting the meat and uh, regular salads or you're following this this regular menu. Um, He ended up showing me, hey, look, our menu switched up, you know, and that's kind of it's when it's sporadic like that. It's like, oh, he switched the menu up. Now I get to play with something different. Um, Also, you know, I did a test trial at uh, Terry Lodge where they do a lot of handmade pastas, their sauces are handmade, uh, their pieces are handmade, and um, we really get to use our skills that we learned in school uh, because all of the stuff we made in school was from scratch. Right. Pieces, the sauces, the to the um, until we got the garden, we were you know buying greens, but now we grow our own greens. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah. Hold on. So back up there. So you started a garden at Concat, right? All right. So tell us about that. Um, 
So there, so Concat is in a building that is in the old Winchester Gun Factory right. area of New Haven, which is no longer a gun factory, and now is called Science Park area because right. Yale has all kinds of science research going on there. But there's like these old warehouse buildings, and some of them, like the one where Concat is, have been turned into other cool usages, like this amazing arts and technology school. Right. So you're in a warehouse building surrounded by parking lots and streets right pretty much yeah Yeah. exactly all right so i didn't even say full disclosure that i was part of the um advisory team that helped start that program and worked with with eric and 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 with concat and i kept saying we got to have a garden right (laughs) and at the beginning they were like we can't do that yet so when you told me you started a garden there i was so excited so how did this happen uh i believe the it, it was either the first day or second day of class Mr. Clemens came in and I already had this idea. Like, you know, why, why not, why not, you know, grow our own food? We got, yes. we have to separate ourselves from the first cohort. So that's, that was the idea. <laughs> so I'm like, why not grow our own food? And then we can cook it and sell it. And then we'll say, well, it's fresh grown. And, um, so when Mr. Clemens came in, I pitched the idea to him and he was just like, you know what? Yeah. I, um, you know, I was thinking about, you know, putting the garden out, but, um, let's see we, Let's see if we could do it. And it was like two other classmates who um, they supported the idea. And like pretty much until we got the garden, we would always mention it to him. Hey, Mr. Clemens, you know, that garden, <laughs> we still want to grow our stuff. So you learn persistence also. Yeah, <laughs> also. Right. <laughs> so uh, and then we got the OK. And then my chef surprised us. He had he had bought the stuff. It was it was good to go on the budget. He bought the stuff. That's awesome. We put the boards together we filled the beds to get um together it was only it was only like three of us though that mm-hmm. were outside doing it and then um chef murphy he ended up helping us too uh because he has a garden at home so just to see uh the outcome of the garden was just amazing like mm-hmm. you know so um we ended up passing it down to Aub- audrey aubrey i'm sorry who is in cohort three now so hopefully she'll pass it down to somebody else um, but, uh, we did fresh herbs, rosemary, parsley. We had like different types of stuff, hot and spicy oregano. Mm-hmm. I never, I never even heard of that. We had uh barbecue rosemary. Um, I planted my own sunflower seeds, which I have some here. So I'll show you them before you head out. Um, and there was like a bunch of eggplants, different That's types so of tomatoes. Yeah, it was, it was amazing just to see the outcome of it. So you uh, are looking for a job, a mm-hmm. cooking job right now, and then you're also trying to pursue my business. Your own business. Yeah. So what's your own business that you're? Uh, it's it's good food, good music. Um, the music aspect is more of like entertainment, mm-hmm. um, just to help entrepreneurs who are, you know, into creative arts, to put them on a platform as far as as long as it's positive to get them out there. But um, good food is, I just want to bring this homemade affordable food to people Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people don't they can't afford healthy food so i want to be that gateway to you know help them so you know it's i'm like all over the place i just want to help so um by me just cooking and bringing a happy feeling to people that's the start Mm -hmm. so that's great do you have any mentors or, or elders in your life that are helping to guide you through this process? Because I'm, I'm hearing you, you're like full of ideas and passion um, and inspiration. And then it's like, it can be hard when you go out in the world and, and it's like, where do you start? Right. So do you feel like you have some, some um, people that help guide you? Yeah, I have 
my teacher, my spiritual teacher, Curtis Cofield, he, he guides me as far as like being mindful of what decisions I make. Um, and then I have Bun, who I can go to and talk to about pretty much anything. Mr. Clemens, of course, um, he helps me and as far as um, teaching me how to network. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom, that's like, you know, my biggest. That's great. Yeah. So we're in your kitchen. Right. And I know you wanted to cook up some food. Right. So I wonder if we could head over to the stove. Sure, let's get go. Cooking. All right. All right. All right, so you're prepping all your vegetables, yes. and so you're making a stir fry here? Yeah, um, just kind of my own recipe. I'm not following anything. I really don't follow anything. Everything to me is by taste. I'm getting ready to cut some onions up. I'm going to small dice, no, medium dice, julienne, the green, and red peppers. And um, I'm going to cut this broccoli up, and then we're going to probably start our onions first. Okay, and what else? Basically, mirepoix. I'm just, mirepoix is what? I have my carrots, onions, and celery. So that's, that's one of the things you learned in culinary school, yeah, right? That's I your know. like... I never knew what mirepoix was. I didn't even hear the word until school. Yeah, so that that's really like a French base of a lot of sauces, but yeah. it's a little different in different cultures. Speaking of sauces, I love making sauces too. In school, they used to call me a saucier. I didn't really like making hollandaise because of the process, but mayonnaise wasn't bad. I used to make, uh, oh my gosh, I made so much garlic aioli, spicy aioli. So I went when I was at Nelly Green's, it's a restaurant in Brantford. Um, man, that was like, that external was just so crazy. The guy that was pretty much training me, he was just like always hounding me. Like, so when I did my julienne cuts, this knife is pretty dull. So I'm probably not going to get them how I want to, as thin as I want to. But when I did my julienne cuts, if they weren't as thin as he wanted them, he would throw them out. Seriously? And it would hurt my heart. It would really hurt me. And his favorite line, dog, dog. We No, dog, that's not how we do it. Throw it out. This is how you do it. And because we we trained under the same chef, like, he was just, he was riding me all the time. Like, every time I turn around. So the days he wasn't there, oh, had a breather. So. Yeah, kitchens kitchens can be tough places. Yeah, they can. Um, If you're going to work in a kitchen, this is for anyone who wants to be a chef or inspired to be a chef. You got to have tough skin. You have to move fast. You have to be precise because, like, people are always looking for your meal to come out the same way every time it comes out. And if it doesn't, trust me, they will make a complaint. And I'm trying to, like, do the Chef Murphy fingers because Mm -hmm. he was always on top of us about making sure our fingers are back. Did he teach you a bear claw? Yeah, that's that's it. Like, but I can't so, um, explain to people who can't see us what you're doing. So the bear claw is you you have your fingers pretty much your fingernails are cr- curled back and you want to apply pressure to whatever vegetable or anything you're cutting. Um, so I did like a little small dice, too. So that's that's with your holding hand so that when your knife is coming up and down, you're not going to cut your fingertips off because exactly. because then there's nothing sticking out where right. the knife is that that is the first thing that i teach every student really yeah because you you will lose a finger and especially if your knife is sharp enough see this knife is dull so like yeah. 
my my cuts aren't gonna be. But you had a nice you had a nice thin julienne, even if it didn't go all the way through, cause a nice little dough. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> a lot of practice. Um, Could you do that before you went to school? No, uh, actually, I was holding the knife wrong. I was cutting wrong. Um, you you wouldn't know how many times I was cutting with uh, holding the vegetable in the air. You're never supposed to do that. You will lose a finger. That is important. You want to make sure you do that bear claw. Trust me. If not, you will lose a finger. You will. And pay attention at all times, too. That's another thing. Communication was big in, um, in the kitchen because uh, people are always moving. So if someone is behind you with a hot pot of water and um, they don't say behind, but you go to back up, then you're going to get burned really bad. Um one method I did learn in school was the blanch and shock method. My chef is so funny. He's like, yeah, I know, you know, people love to cook their 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 broccoli or their greens all the way down to is just army green. Where all the nutrients go in the water? So, he, you know, we learned the blanch and shock method, which is you boil some water, salt water, and you drop your vegetables and you drop them in for about five to 10 seconds and then you take them out quick you have a, a bowl of ice water or ice standing by and you drop it in the ice water to stop that cooking method and then it gives it like this real for broccoli at least this real bright green and um you retain all the nutrients with uh still having a good soft crunchy kind of taste to it so yeah and i find that if i'm doing a stir fry like this i sometimes will sort of do a quick steam so putting the broccoli in and then put a little water in and put a top on. Right. But you just got to not cook it too long because right, right. you don't want to kill it. No, no, exactly. <laughs> All right, good. We're going to let you focus in on your cooking for a minute, and then we're going to join you back over at the stove okay. when it's ready to go into the pan. Great. All right, what do you have in the pan here? I have my julienne peppers, red and green. I have my small dice and medium dice uh, celery and onions. And then I have some red cabbage along with uh, sesame oil, uh, a little bit of truffle, olive oil, and canola oil. And I'm getting ready to add in. I'm going to make my sauce in the pan. I'm not, I'm I'm not going to make it separately. So as this cooks up, I'm going to add some salt, onion powder, garlic powder, soy sauce. Brown sugar. I like brown sugar when like cooking stir fry. Trying to heat up just a little bit. The rice is already done. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna stir this up and then I'll let it sit. I'll put something over it and cover it and then kind of let it just uh, marinate. It actually smells really good. Can't wait to taste it. And I did a a veggie. Um, meal because my brother's vegan so i want to make sure he gets to eat too it's a lot of color in there you got purple red green some white there we go so i'll let that sit so we're in your home where you live with your wife and you have a baby girl right yes um my daughter is is two years old uh i've been married for three years uh my daughter will be three this year um, they're, they're my biggest support team. 
Uh, my daughter loves my my wife loves my food too, even though she can be a little bit picky sometimes. Has it changed how you cook having having a, a little kid to cook for? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I try not to buy anything. If I can't make it, then you know I won't buy it. But so I try to eat healthy all the time. You know, uh, I do eat meat still, but there is a study that some of the healthiest people in the world eat meat. So, um, but when it comes to like fast food, no fast food at all. She she doesn't even. I don't even think she knows what McDonald's tastes like, um, and that's kind of what I grew up on. But um, I think it's very important to teach her and my wife as well how to eat healthy so that way you know they can pass it down because it's it's, you are what you eat so you gotta be mindful what you take in because like i don't eat anything with high fructose corn syrup Mm -hmm. at all so i always check labels now um even cereals yeah i i'm very i'm very particular on what we we eat All right, so we're stepping out your back door for a second while the food finishes cooking. So what are we looking at? We're looking at my garden that I planted last year. So uh, you can actually see some of the stuff that I did. It was corn, which people told me I wouldn't be able to grow corn, and I was actually surprised. I I got two ears from it, so those ears, I just took them. I have the seeds in the house. Um, I had a lot of tomatoes come in. I had cucumbers. I had squash which I only got one squash in, and then um, I can't remember what it was, but my squash ended up getting pretty much sick. It was just, like, white residue, and I think it was from overcrowding the garden. Um, I had hot peppers. I had radish, which was only one that came in. Um, I grew – oh, this is like an experiment. So that tub was my daughter's old tub, and I was like, you know what, let me try to do something. I filled it with dirt. I put dirt in that crate, and I planted some seeds. Roma tomatoes came out real good. So these two buckets right here are Roma. That was watercress, which actually died. I got that from a neighbor who's Dominican, and he uh, he grew gardens as well. If you peek out, you can see a bunch of other gardens um, on the other side, mm-hmm. uh, which they have kale, spinach. Uh, he has pineapples. Uh, he grows his pineapples in a bucket. I'm going to try that <laughs> this year. Um, and so you're in a you're in a um, apartment complex on the end of Edgewood Ave that just got fixed up, right. and you have a, a courtyard in the back here. So we're looking out your back door and a lot of other people's back doors. So you've got your garden right outside your back door, and right. then out in the middle there's a big circle. So what's happening out there? Um, so, you know, my concern was maintenance wasn't really keeping up with it, and you know they had these old plants and a bunch of leaves were piled up there. So I'm like, well, why not? I tend to my garden, so why not put a community garden here? Um, not that I have an issue with giving out food to people. It's just if there's an area that I can put a garden, I can plant a garden, and they can grab as much as they want. But because I only have so much space here, um, I can't really, and, you know, it's just my me and my family, I can't really continue to give all of my stuff away because then now I don't have seeds to grow for next year and we don't get to really, you know, taste it as much. But um, so I want to put a garden in the in the center. Um, that right there was my those were my sunflowers. Um, I got a few thousand seeds in the house now from. Uh, yeah, I saw I saw the big container. Yeah. yeah so. Um, yeah. So that's my goal. Hopefully they will let me. The property manager management will let me. But if not, I'll just, you know, continue to grow my own garden.
That's great. Thanks for showing me. You're welcome. Alright, so we're sitting down to our meal. It looks beautiful, very colorful. Thank you. Looks good. So we got rice and our veggie stir fry. Let's taste it. Mmm, mm, tastes delicious. Thank you. I didn't have lunch, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's tasty and the, the veggies have a um, nice little bite to them. I think it's a good amount of saltiness and nice flavor from all the spices you added in. Thank you. So, and I can feel the love, so. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, I can't thank you enough for welcoming me into your home, practically a stranger, and you just started telling me about your life and cooking for me, so I really right. appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for just uh, taking your time out to hear about my story, and um, I'm excited for you to see where I'm going and us to you know move forward as far as you know connecting and networking and i and just even a friendship thank you so much for allowing this yeah you're welcome it's my pleasure i decided to follow up with greg a little later to see how things were working out for him hi greg hello tegan how you doing good <laughs> nice to see you again i know it's good to see you as well so um we talked about two months ago, and I'm really excited to hear what has happened since since we talked two months ago. So much. Um, work, one, um, is excellent. I love the kitchen that I'm in, the staff. Where, where did you end up? When I talked um, to you, you were searching for a job still. So I'm at New Haven Lawn Club, mm -hmm. and um, I am a prep chef, so you know, I uh, work on the catering side, which, I mean, right now... I'm learning so much, just different types of food, different types of, you know, plating styles. And um, I think it's being in the long club is a lot of fine dining. So everything is like very precise. Mm -hmm. And the chefs that I work with, they're amazing. They all have their own individual type of style and the way they cook. They're just very encouraging to uh, me as a up and coming chef. So that's so awesome. That's yeah. great that you're in a kitchen that's feeling supportive. Yeah. What? Tell me something exciting that you've learned recently, like a food thing. Um, so I'm a saucier, and I actually learned a new way to make a barbecue sauce, which I never thought to do it this way. So, you know, it's kind of like making a stock. You throw everything in a pot, and then you just let it cook. Um, so I took that method, um, who actually learned from one of the chefs, Mike, there, um, where I just threw all these fresh herbs in a pot of, you know, um, ketchup and molasses and just um and there was some pork kind of like from leftover from the pork that we cooked we used those to just cook all together and then once it kind of reduced then i strained it and then that became our barbecue sauce and it was like it came out so good mm. so that was just a new method rather than just ketchup and mixing everything in and sure. cooking it down so yeah so is it getting you eating meat again being over there yeah um <laughs> we we you know one thing my chef in school taught me was to try new things and try everything once yeah. so um yeah i've kind of like slipped back to eating uh, red meat and bacon occasionally but <laughs> um I'm still eating healthy. I'm still um, watching myself and what I take in. And um, the garden is still growing. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, when we talked last time, you mentioned that you didn't 
really want to work for someone else that you're excited about your own ideas but it sounds like you're really excited about what you're learning right there how is that feeling to you to be working for someone else um i mean i still have that drive of not really wanting to work for someone else but um the fact that i was placed in a great kitchen and i'm learning a lot uh it'll help me in the future to just kind of adopt these things and maybe even apply them to what i want to do so right now i'm just kind of you know humbling myself and keeping my head down just learn as much as i can um, and I'm working with these, you know, again, I say these guys are great um, and they're just willing to teach, you know, that's, um, it. that's it. So, yeah, so good. Um, so in our first conversation, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to come ask you a couple more questions, aside from that, I wanted to hear about your job, which right. is I'm very excited that you're that you're somewhere where people are being nice and like teaching and, and where you're like learning more stuff is like makes my heart feel so right. happy for you. <laughs> um, are you feeling much more hopeful now than when we talked two months ago? Yeah, I am. This year is, I mean, a lot of things have changed since those few months we've talked and um, they're only getting better. As of now, I can, I can see the change. Like everything's happening so fast, drastically. So that's great. Uh, I guess I just have one other question, which is about, um, you know, in regards to, these programs like the job training programs and stuff right. and somebody who doesn't live in an urban area or or kind of lives somewhere where there's a lot more privilege might not right. really understand like why they might think like why do we need these job training programs why can't people just go get a job and why why do all these other people people of color or people in cities like need so much help and I'm curious, like, how you would respond to someone saying something like that. Um, one, coming from Hill House, being a Hill House alumni. It's a high school here in New England. Yeah, it, it's like, it's tough because, you know, most of us are taught to be, you know, athletes or, you know, work and some type of food or whatever it may be. But we don't have really that many opportunities or even in school, we weren't taught how to go out and get a job. It's kind of like after high school, you have to learn this stuff. And I was just recently at Hill House and I told this to some juniors and seniors there, like right after high school, it gets real for us. Like there is no waiting for it. Life hits you right in the gut. And I think these job um, programs, they allow us a path other than college. I mean, cause Realistically, everyone that goes to college doesn't even, you know, get a job in their profession. Right. And that right there, in in my opinion, is a cripple because now you work hard to go to college and then you graduate and then not in I'm in no way, shape or form mm -hmm. telling anyone not to go to school for their education. But as I told the students at Hill House was let that not be your only direction. You know, have other avenues like one of the kids wanted to be a plastic surgeon. I'm like, OK, that's cool. You know, but kind of tweak your thinking on what else you can be always have a backup plan and um for us realistically even the programs don't always help us so you know i think it's just learning how to and this time really survive and that's why i think sustainability is very important just learning to do things on your own you know just teaching them how to kind of like um maintain Mm -hmm. like that's that's all we can do now as yeah. a person of color is to maintain you know so 
Did but I, I think some it? of what you're talking about is like going beyond maintaining and finding something that both feels meaningful that you have right. a purpose in the world but that also is realistic about like financially what you right. can afford like college is great for a lot of people but it's also really hard for people to afford and right. so you know as you're talking I'm thinking about how many how many people from more privileged environments like their parents can help sustain them if they get out of you know either helping them through college or right. if they're getting a job but they aren't making that much money yet like they might get some help on their rent or other things and you know there's a lot of wealth concentration in more white communities certainly not right. all but like part of the reason to have these programs is because we have this like inherent economic inequity that's also often divided by race not always but a lot right. and so um it's like providing some of those supports that don't exist within families trying to provide some of those supports in society to give people like a leg up right and like even in that it's like all right you think about most of uh, the parents who are of color they're single parents mm -hmm. you know and then like i can talk to someone who's come from you know uh, who's privileged who's come from a two parent home and it's just it's just a little different so like to try to relate i know i can understand why it could be hard um i just think you have to listen to understand and like listen to kind of hear rather than listen to just respond and i think that's what most people do and um so, so. that's great thank you so much you're welcome thank you to see photos, find links, past episodes, and a lot more, go to thetableunderground.com and follow us on all the social medias. You can listen in on the website or by podcast anytime, and please leave a review on iTunes to help other people find us. Many thanks to the Graustein Memorial Fund for supporting this work and the equity in education stories. Thank you as well to Greg for welcoming me into his home and for his patience in waiting for this episode to be produced. For more info, past episodes, photos, links, and more, go to thetableunderground.com and listen anytime by podcast. Do you want to support our work? Leave a review on iTunes to help others find us. I'm Tegan Engel, and this is The Table Underground. You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM Community Radio.